0: Well, hello again. Uh, This is Brandon Moore. I'm the CEO and founder of BKM PC Certified Public Accountants. And I'm here today with Maggie, my Director of Operations. And uh, we're bringing you another episode of Coaching for Profit. Thanks for joining us. And if these have been helpful to you, please uh, give us a like, give us a review. We'd love that. uh, And share it with somebody else that you think it's going to help. That would be uh, fantastic just to get this out to people that it will help. That's why we're doing this is to help small business owners earn more and keep more of what they earn and uh, to help them in, in the day-to-day operations, the little things in, in business and being an entrepreneur that you know, they don't teach in school and experience really is the best teacher here. So uh, how are you, Maggie?
1: Good. How are you?
0: Thanks for joining me today. What are we talking about today?
1: You're talking about knowing your value, something that is a little bit more complicated than you would think it would be. You think my value is how much money I bring in. And, but that's, that's not true. I think there's a lot, there's a, I mean, I know there's a lot more to it than just that.
0: It's so. overall, this is going to be talking about pricing and your products and services. And as a professional, we think in, in terms of pricing our services, but there's also construction contractors and, Restaurants that that have pricing models that that may be hurting their business because they're not thinking of all the costs that go into it. They're not thinking of the profit that they need to make. And so we're going to talk about some of the things that are important in in pricing those products and services and how much value you're bringing to those products and services. So what's the most important thing in 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 business and in as an entrepreneur?
1: I would assume bringing in money,
0: <laughs> making a profit making money and cash. I was reading a book by Jim Collins, and he was talking about a professor that pushed into his mind early on that you pay your bills with cash. And so if you're not making if you're not making money, you can't pay your bills. And so I think there's there's three things that you have that are that are important when talking about your pricing model, and that's knowing your costs, knowing your market and then knowing your value. So let's break that down. So knowing your costs, what, what are the costs that go in into your product or service?
1: So, I mean, obviously coming from like a business owner, and I'm not a business owner, but if I was to think I was, a, if I was going to pretend that I was a business owner, you think of first, what are those costs that are just right in front of your face? So my materials or my staff that I'm paying or right the building that I'm working out of, my internet, those things that are just right in front of your face and like no brainers. But something that I think that people don't think about are those behind the scenes costs. So the cost of my time, the cost of my, I'm trying to think of better examples of those background costs, but there are a lot of them that people might forget about when we're talking about calculating what those costs are.
0: Well, there are those three basic costs are in every everything that we do. Materials, if you're if you're selling a product or if you're a construction contractor and and part of your service is a product, is materials and supplies is a big part of that. Next is your labor, what you pay somebody else or even your own personal labor. Uh, I had a story, a friend of mine that was working on one of my rent houses uh, we were talking about his pricing and and why he went into business, and he said, "You know, I just felt like I could go out and and do a better job for customers and the people I was working for." And so I went out, and so I so, said, "Well, what are you charging for?" And he's, "Well, I'm I'm charging for my materials plus my labor." And I said, well, "Wait a second, if you're only charging for your materials and your labor, then when are you ever going to be able to hire somebody else?" And so that labor cost doesn't, isn't just the labor that you are working on. It's it, what would you pay somebody else to do that job? And you have to think in those terms. And then the, the last part is overhead, which you, you were talking about earlier is the fixed cost, the, the background costs. When we have our variable costs, which are utilities, any, any cost that increases by the amount of services that we offer to our clients is a variable cost. And any cost that stays the same over time is considered a fixed cost. So those fixed costs are your rent, uh, maybe software that you buy, your internet fees, but the the variable costs are your paper supplies, your, some software is paid by use. And so that would be uh, considered a variable cost. But, and so those three basic components should be in your pricing model. Uh, But there should be actually four components in a, in a pricing model. And that's, the materials, labor head, overhead, and then did I say so right? Materials, labor, and overhead. There you plus, go. Plus, plus your profit. What do you want to earn towards the the company's bottom line? And a lot of small business owners go out and they put themselves as the the labor. That's their profit because they are the only labor. But if you have that mindset, if you think like that then you'll never be able to expand. You'll never, never be able to grow. And that might be fine with you, but you may be undervaluing that product and service.
1: That makes me think of, there is an episode, do you watch The Office? There's an episode of The okay. Office where Michael Scott like goes off and makes his own paper company. And he's, you know, he's done the math. He's got the materials and he's only got three employees and he's doing all of the labor himself, you know, all the deliveries, all of that stuff. He's like, we can, we're gonna be making profit in six months they go see an accountant to say like, hey, can we afford to hire a delivery driver? We're exhausted. And the accountant does the math and includes all of these costs and does you know, the things that accountants do. And he's like, no, you're going to go out of business in six months because they didn't really take into account those variable costs. And they didn't really take into account really how much that labor really did was costing them and the time that was costing them. And it was a shock to them. And I know it's so silly because it's a TV show, but it's if you're not taking a second to really look at, okay, what's my profit, then that number is what hurts you later. Out.
0: It gets left right. out. When all you price is your labor and you don't put a profit component into your pricing model, you, you won't make money. And it should be a, a profit number. That's that's based on the next two things that we're going to talk about is your market and your value so that you are getting an adequate compensation for the work that you put in. That's right. that profit part is your return on investment is how much money do you want to make on your bottom line. And so whenever we price our services, we have to have that, that profit motive in there. And, and of course, if you don't have profit, why would you even bother getting into business? One of the stories I in college, they talked about was a guy that was making burritos and after after taking that first course in, in costs and overhead, he, he did the calculations and realized that he made more money staying in bed because, <laughs> because he was losing like 14 cents per burrito. Oh so no. If he just stayed in bed, he didn't lose that money. So he had to rethink his pricing model. So let's, now let's go down to the, the market. What's important in the market? What about the market's important in your pricing model?
1: Well, I think one of the first things in your market is something that we've talked about in previous podcasts, which is like knowing your client, because if you don't know your client, then you might be overpricing yourself or underpricing yourself for that profit. What I mean by that is if you don't know who your client is and you set your dollar amount too high, you're never going to bring in any clients. But if you set it too low You're selling yourself short, and you're losing off, losing out on that profit.
0: So, yeah, the customers are a big component, and and what can they afford? What are they looking for? what What dollars do they have to spend? If you're in the entertainment business in Dallas area, the entertainment expenses or entertainment dollars that each individual has seems to be a little bit higher than that in San Angelo, and so just knowing that client mix and that that customer mix, even in in the the DFW market is so diverse, even within its little towns and subtowns, you know, suburbs, the suburb of Westlake is high dollar. And so their entertainment dollars are are pretty high. Whereas if you go into Irving or Grand Prairie or or Garland or some of those areas, it's not going to be as high. It's still going to be high, but it's not going to be as high. Right. And so knowing those customers and I actually using cut, I'm trying to use talk about customers and I'm actually talking about another, another thing to know. And that's the location from city to city, you're going to have a different cost. And we know that's true based on some of these larger markets that you or larger companies that sell nationally. If you go to a Lowe's in Austin, and look for a certain piece of hardware or whatever, or supplies or whatever. It, it's going to be priced a little bit differently than than the Lows in San Angelo.
1: Right, which is so crazy to think about because it's like it's the same product, but it's a different market. It's a different group, and so that's why that's why this discussion is so important. Because as a small business owner, you might not initially think on that large scale. You might not think like, oh. My price depends on where I'm located, but it does just based on that alone. Not even taking into consideration any of the other factors that I'm sure we'll talk about. But it's just
0: well, and you can also take advantage of that price discrepancy. Like for for us as a virtual CPA firm, our overhead is very low, and now <laughs> it used to be yeah, but now it's it's a lot lower since we have you know ninety percent of our people working from home. We can offer services to people in Virginia and Oregon and California and Montana at prices probably lower than what they see and what they pay because of one, the overhead that their CPA or their bookkeeping or accounting firm is paying, but also because of that market, prices are just higher. Right. Because we're a virtual CPA firm and we're not limited to one location, We've set our price and at uh, the profit that we're happy with. And so when we offer services to other locations, aside from the additional tax, because of uh, the the new tax laws and sales tax laws in each location, aside from that, we're going to probably be a little bit better off uh, for the customer in those different locations. Right. What else? I kind of led into just with that, I kind of led into the other part of, of the market by talking about the other CPAs in that location and that's your, your competitors.
1: Yeah. I think that's where most people look first, right? Like when they're thinking about pricing, like what, what are, what are my competitors offering? And especially in a town like San Angelo where all of the competitors know each other, like all of the restaurant owners know all of the other restaurant owners and they know what they're pricing. But I do think that that's a really easy trap to fall in because, like as a restaurant example, if I'm let's use if if I can use actual examples, these aren't clients of ours, so I don't know anything about anything. But if I'm angry Cactus, that's a location here in San Angelo. If I'm looking at the prices that zero one has, which is a similar type of restaurant, I can't necessarily say, oh, well, he's charging this much for this dish because, I don't know those other factors that go into his overhead or, and their overheads are different because they're different locations. They're different even within the town, but it's still good to kind of use use your competitors as a reference because you don't want to be too far off. Like You don't want, since Angry Cactus and Zero One are the same like date night places, but not too fancy, but not fast food kind of places, you don't want to be too far off from each other. Cause if someone is taking price into consideration when they're going, like looking for a restaurant, but at the same time, you don't want to like zero in and be like, I gotta be charging the same thing they are because then their profit might be different than your profit based on other factors.
0: Yeah. And, and the, the truth is that price comp- competitive between competitors, isn't what's drawing them there. Right. And so there's just something that we do as a, a business advisory work is is a, a competitor analysis. As we take, we'll you know look at the products that you might have, and then look at the various criteria that customers are looking for in that product, and then you compare it to your your closest competitor, and then see which one, which how you how you are weighting in those various criteria, and which ones you want to focus on because you might be focusing on delivery, whereas the other person is, is focused on something else. The other competitor is focused on something else. Like for our firm and versus other CPA firms, our firm is, is focused on technology and being able to serve people remotely without paper, without having to have hand signatures on anything, without being, having to, you don't have to leave your home and we can serve people all over the country because of it. And so our focus is different. so we're not going to compete directly with a local CPA firm based on their price. we're We're competing on technology, right? And, but it's helpful to know in the areas what other people are pricing their services at, and seeing the differences in quality in service model and uh, response time and all those things to see, okay, well, they're charging a thousand dollars for this, this service, but because we offer these other conveniences and add-ons, we're going to be a little bit higher. We're going to be 1200 or something like that. And so they may not have that, have the add-ons. They may be just offering that one service and then and selling the other add-ons separately. Whereas we might include it with that, that particular product. So um, that's how you would analyze your competitors and see where you're at. You definitely don't want to be priced so high out, out of the market to where right. you know, nobody can afford you. You'll never you'll never make a dollar. So you want to know what what the other competitors are pricing or, or selling for. But then, what are the differences? What are the value differences? What are the variations of product? What are the add ons differences? And and really get an understanding of how you compare. Because there's there's not like you said with with the restaurants, it's not going to be apples to apples anywhere. Right, business is different. Yeah,
1: I just think that sometimes people and I've already said this, but I really do think that people will get in the like the mindset of trying to like. I mean, you hear those big chain stores say it all the time, like, "We'll price match." our competitors, like, well, you can come in and bring, if you see a cost of whatever you're needing at Walmart, you can bring it to target and they'll price match it for you. And you know, with those bigger companies that works and that's great and whatever, but as a small business owner, if you're doing that, you're losing out on that. I mean, we've already said this, but you're losing out on, you could potentially be losing out on your profit just based on what you just said of the different values, but also the different customers going back to knowing who your customers are, because For us, as an example, our customers might be different than another local CPA's customers because we might service different industries or service a client that values technology more than they value like a face-to-face meeting. And so there's just so many factors. And so knowing those prices is so important so that you don't, like you said, get yourself out of the market because you're too costly or whatever. But it's just, it's a really you're kind of walking a tightrope there. You want to use it as a reference, but I don't necessarily think it should be your main focus, but I don't, I mean, that's just right. kind of something I see people might easily fall into a quick trap.
0: Yeah. Pricing price competi- competition is a trap. If you, if you, especially in professional services, but also in restaurants and yeah. just, you know, we had a client years ago, they since sold their business and, and moved away, but she was running a small restaurant and she was making under $100,000 for years and years and years. And then all of a sudden, she jumped over a couple hundred thousand dollars. And I asked her, I said, Well, what happened? What did you do differently? And she said, Well, I just raised my prices by a dollar on everything on the menu. And nobody balked at it. Nobody even. Right. And that t- said to me, not only was she not, she didn't really analyze her pricing model, she could have gone higher, but she didn't understand why her customers came to that restaurant. Right. And it, necess- it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't price. It yeah. was, was ambiance. It was, it was a great place to hang out and chat. It was a certain nostalgic feeling that they got when they went there. So it was a lot of different things that she just didn't understand what made her customers come and, and visit her store. And so that's why knowing your customers, knowing your your price points and your competitors will make a huge deal in yeah. pricing your pricing model. So the last thing I want to talk about, and this is my favorite part, is knowing your value. And CPAs, professionals, chiropractors, doctors, lawyers, artists, journalists, all, all kinds of you know, professionals, anything that doesn't that any project or service that doesn't have materials included in it is all about value. Yeah. And this is, this is probably the hardest for old school professionals to understand and to move beyond what are the three components of, of your value. It's, it's how much time it takes to do the job, the knowledge it takes to do the job, and then your experience doing the job, doing those types of jobs. Uh, there's a story about a mechanic. You br- the guy brought his vehicle into the shop and the guy said, Hey, can you look at this? It's not doing right. And he looked at it for about 15 minutes and then takes one screwdriver out and screws something in and, and it's, and it works perfectly. And the guy gave him the bill for a thousand dollars. And the guy said, what are you doing? It only took you 15 minutes. It's like, well, yeah it was uh, only a hundred dollars for the, for the, for that 15 minutes to use the, the screwdriver, but the, the $900 is knowing which screw to turn. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, that's really the value discussion here is how much time, what's your knowledge base and, and your experience.
1: Can I actually add one. Is that okay? Yeah. I have, I have another one that I think really adds to the value and that's, the experience that you bring, not the experience you have, but the client or the customer experience, like how, I don't know, experience might be the wrong word because it's confusing because it's the different version of that word.
0: Yeah, that's customer but, experience is, is used a lot.
1: But I think that's a huge part of your value because, I mean, you said that it's hard to know that value for, or this value doesn't necessarily apply to people. Well, that's not what you said, but materials so like a roofer doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily take this into consideration as, but I would be willing to argue that I'm willing to pay more to a roofer who's really nice to me and does the job quickly and does a good job. I mean, that the, doing the good job, cleans
0: up up after themselves,
1: cleans up after themselves, makes the experience easy for me. I don't have to worry about when they're coming, how long they're going to be there. Just my experience. I'm willing to pay more for a roofer that does that than a roofer that's, doesn't take my experience into consideration. And I think that plays into the value in addition to the three things that you already listed. But
0: right. that may be more about the brand. Maybe. Brand integrity is, is, is the customer experience is, you know, what are you providing? The service that you're providing isn't always just the service. You know, right. Like you said is that we're one of the things that, that we're providing for our clients being in a virtual CPA firm is convenience,
1: right? The client
0: can be virtual meetings. People don't have to leave their office, drive 15 minutes to the CPA office, sit down for an hour, drive another 15 minutes home, and then start back work or start back to their office and start back. That could be 30 minutes to an hour out of their day that they don't get back. Right. The convenience of let's do you know jump on a Zoom meeting. We'll have a conversation. We'll be face to face over the internet, and we build really good relationships over the internet. I don't. My brother works for me in Oregon, and I've met some of our clients up there over Zoom, and it's been really good. Right. right? Absolutely convenient for them. So that's that's part of our brand experience. You're right.
1: And I mean we've been doing these um, like client surveys, you know, but I'm telling people listening, but we've been doing these client surveys. And a lot of the time, like one of the question is like, what about BKM PC do you like? Like what, what's our value to you? And a lot of the time, the answer is I just love working with them. They make it so easy. They make my taxes so easy. And that's a part of the value that we're offering is what you said, the convenience, making it easy. And so I think that's something that's our experience, but the client experience at a restaurant, that's part of the value too. Like what you were talking about earlier, the ambiance that the restaurant brings or the nostalgia that the restaurant brings, all of that stuff is just, that's the client experience. And that all plays back into the value of the service that you're providing in addition to, I, I'm sorry, I, I skipped over the three things that you wanted to talk
0: about. Oh, that's great. Uh, You know, the, the value of the service has has a lot of different facets. I just came up with the three that, that came to mind first. And honestly, when we do something really well, like if if a client comes in and asks for something and we've never done it before, and then we do it, but we do it really well. And it took us, let's say it took us 15 to 20 hours this this time but next year they need the same thing done and it only takes us 10 hours. Are we going to charge less? And for us, the answer is no. Why? Because the value to the customer hasn't changed. Right. The client needed the thing both years. It satisfied their need both times and the value doesn't change just because we got more efficient or we got more knowledge in that area. And And that's something that people forget.
1: Right. And I think that, when you do things more, I mean, I mean, it's inherent. If you do things over and over again, obviously, our experience, even though the time it took us was less, our experience was more. And so those things are always going to be going against each other, especially in a like a value based service, like being a lawyer or or CPA or something like that. Because sure, over time it takes you less and less time to do whatever that service is, but your experience is always going up. So if we're looking at it as a scale, it's always going to equal that amount that
0: you right. you're
1: price point is.
0: Yeah. And I've, I had an experience one time at, a, at a, an employer that was paying salaries for people and some of the people didn't put in a lot of time and, and it frustrated me. And it, it, I asked, I asked the leader, I said, okay, why are you paying this amount of money to this person? And they hardly ever show up. And his answer was really uh, solid. It was, we pay him to do this job. This job has this amount of value to us. I don't care if he comes into the office all the time. His job was not client service or anything that had to do Mm -hmm. with being at a particular spot. His job, his job was to get this thing done. Yeah. And so the value of that job was what they paid him, whether or not it took 20 hours a week or 40 hours a week. Right. That's the value that they, and so, he the the person in the job had time to do other things uh because they just were good enough at that job that they were being hired to do that they just didn't need to put in the 40 to 50 hours a week that I felt like they should
1: right yeah and that's one reason I'm glad we moved away from hourly billing at our firm is because it just doesn't encompass The knowledge and experience that's going into what we're offering. And sometimes it's hard to explain that to clients, especially clients that are used to lawyers, CPAs, that kind of basing it off of an hourly amount. But if you look at the big picture, those hourly amounts just don't, they can. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that still bill hourly. And if they've done their math right and they've taken into consideration every single not every single, but there's many of the factors that they can hourly can be a useful tool to bill. I think, but it's just
0: it's limiting. It's limiting. It's, yes, Thank it's you. limiting. And it doesn't reflect and unless you keep raising your hourly rates. It's it it's limiting. Also, it, the hourly rates can work against you. Yeah, because your hourly rate might be you know five six hundred dollars an hour. But the job that's being asked of you is only worth $200, $300, and, but you spend an hour on it and you tell the client, hey, we're, we're billing you $600, but, but the value to the client really is only two or $300. Yeah. And so in that case, the hourly billing works against you. And so that's why we set our, our fees based on the value of the service to the client, not based on how much time we put in. That's another thing. Okay. What if we had some new people working on those projects and they were just gaining experience, but they're being monitored by somebody who had a bunch of experience. Well, the number of hours may have gone over budget. Right. That doesn't change the value of the service to the client.
1: Sometimes that's so hard for me when I'm billing. I see sometimes those because even though we don't bill hourly, I still see those hourlies. And that's something I've had to kind of teach myself to not really focus too much on because it's so scary to see like a project that, you know, should have only taken six hours, take 20. And you're like, Oh my God, we went way over budget. And it's, and you didn't, it's a learning experience and well,
0: yes, but, you, we paid for training in that instance.
1: Right. 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 So
0: that's what we're doing with our you know new staff is we'll put them on projects like that. We know it's going to go over our, our hourly budget, but that's what we're doing. We're paying for that training so that they can become qualified, certified people. So,
1: so that our value can continue to... Our
0: value overall continues to grow because our staff continues to get trained and, and learns and has new experiences, new knowledge, and are able to serve more and more clients. Yeah. And that's, a, that's a, a, another part of about value billing is when you do uh, know your value and know the value of the service, then it makes hiring easier because you have enough, you have that worked into the pricing model so that you can train and certain and develop new leaders, develop new staff, you can develop new if you're a construction contractor, new carpenters, finishers, all of those because you've already built that into the value of the service. Yep. All right. There's one more thing I want to talk about, and it's not it's not necessarily in the three things of knowing your costs, knowing your market, and knowing your value, but it's an overall just to educate our entrepreneurs on understanding gross margin versus net profit. One of the things that we talk about in in you know in our meetings is the the overall revenue and then what our costs are to come up with our our net revenue, our net profit. I think a lot of, a lot of new uh, entrepreneurs don't understand the difference between variable costs and fixed costs. And so they work their pricing based on variable costs, but they forget about the fixed costs. And so I think if you have a pricing model, let's do some tests. Like for the other day, we were doing an analysis on the service that we were offering. And so what you, what you want to do is you want to count up all the costs that you might have for that particular and what you start with is variable costs. So if you're offering a service, you want to f- figure out, okay, what's my labor cost for that? What's my what's the next cost? Well, what's my materials cost? All right. So then those are the variable costs. And so you know you have your your price minus the variable costs. Okay, what's the the difference between the price minus the variable cost is called your gross margin. And the gross margin is what can be applied to all the other fixed and administrative costs that you might have. So then you take that number, and then you try to figure out, okay, how can we take our overall overhead and apply it in a pricing model? Well, One of the ways you might do that is how many customers do you serve or how many of those products do you sell? So you take the overall overhead, your fixed costs, which would be your rent, your internet, software, any fees that are known and don't change, based on the number of units for the year, and then divide that by the number of products sold. And that will give you a per product fixed cost. So that when you you then have your gross revenue minus those variable costs, now you can subtract that per unit cost of overhead and come up with what's left over, which would be your net profit. Does that make sense?
1: And my eyes are glazing over a little bit because I'm not a math person, but I think that's why you have professionals. I think that's why if I was a business owner, I would maybe consider having some sort of consulting with someone like you, a business advisor and go over this with you. So you could help me get it over my head. But I think for most people who are business owners, maybe it wouldn't go over their head as much as it goes over mine, but I can see the equations. It's right. a matter of applying it to something that makes sense.
0: <laughs> right, And that's just another analysis that you can do. And if you want us to help you, just give us a call. Our firm will help you come up with those, that, that pricing model and, and do a competitor analysis and price analysis for your products and services if, if you want us to. But just knowing the difference between your gross margin and your net profit the, the gross margin includes those materials and labor, but then the net profit, you have to subtract overhead. And, and coming up with overhead has been tough for a lot of, a lot of business owners. Yeah. How do I calculate my overhead, but on a per unit basis? Well, that's, that's really tough because then like for our firm, we don't have just one product that we sell. We have various products or various revenue streams and whereas this one revenue stream is 60% of our overall revenue, this other re- revenue stream might be 40% of our overall revenue. Right. And so then, then you have to break up and it gets real complicated. You break up your overhead between those two costs or revenue streams to come up with an overhead per unit overhead amount so that that you can test whether or not the pricing that you've come up with is actually going to make you money. Right. And that's an analysis that we can help you do. So anyway, thanks for joining us today. Maggie, did you learn something? I did. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh Do you think this is helpful for our business owners?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that thinking about these things isn't something that you initially do, right? That's why people struggle. And that's why people have these issues is because you think of my price needs to be this because I I want it to be. Or because I that, you know, and so taking these things into consideration might not be someone's first inclination. So it's nice. I think it'll be helpful for, ta- uh, to give people tips on where to stop and think and where to, what to take it, consideration.
0: Yeah. How to analyze, you know, their sales and how to analyze their, their pricing to see if they're actually asking for enough for that particular product. Right. Another, another advantage of, of the pricing model is it might get you start, get you thinking about, well, maybe my overhead is too much. Yeah. Maybe some things I need to cut because yeah, my my per overhead, my per unit overhead is is putting me out of the money to where I'm I'm no longer having profit. There's right. nothing left over after subtracting variable costs and overhead. There's nothing left over, but I don't have any room to go up because I'm at the top of my market in price. Right. We did a we did our competitor analysis and found that. We're actually twenty percent higher than our competitors, even even with the additional add-ons or things that we do for them. We might be a little so. What do we do? Yeah. We to adjust our overhead, we have to adjust our labor price. We have to do something to, to get back in the money to where there is something left over after your overhead costs. Yeah. So, again, thanks you guys for listening to uh, uh, Coaching for Profit. I'm Brandon Moore, and this is Maggie Daniel. She's executive director of operations, feel free to give us a call, give us a like, give us a review, take care. We love you guys. Our our hope and know, knowledge is that uh, uh, profit equals your potential minus any barriers.
1: I also wanted to throw in that BKM PC just started a new short video series on our Facebook that has like quick 10 minute long videos that are just like helpful things for business owners and individuals alike. And so we're posting those monthly. And so if you think these are helpful, these are a little bit long, the podcasts are a little bit longer and these little short videos are short and quick and helpful. So go like our Facebook while you're liking our podcast. (laughs)
0: Thank you guys.
1: Thanks.